coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. I'm the aforementioned host, Mr. Izzy. And for our listeners listening to us in the state of Texas and maybe the state of California, here's a little translation for you. La bienvenida a la Derek Easy Espectáculo. Soy el anfitrión antes mencionado, señor Easy. Moses, I want to thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's been a while since uh, we've talked. What's new in your life? Not much, boss. Just getting old. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Moses. I guess it's a problem that will probably happen to most of us. Since I last spoke to you on the Derek Izzy Show, there's been some changes in the works and some things going on. One of the things that happened in my life that I'm going to share with you, and Moses, maybe you can chime in on this as well. I ended up having a mucosel removed from my mouth. Probably never heard of that. Moses, you ever hear of that before? Actually, no, boss. Um, I have no idea what that is. It's basically... In your mouth, you have glands that produce saliva, and something happened to traumatize those glands, whether I got hit in the mouth or whether I bit down on it. Biting down on the the salivary glands inside your mouth is a fairly common cause of of this mucus cell, and they're, they're not really sure what caused it, but at some point, there was trauma to these salivary glands. And when one of these or several of these glands get damaged, Mucus can develop or seep out, and a kind of pussy substance can build up, and it causes some swelling or maybe a cyst to develop. In my mouth, it kind of just blew up to what looked like a a little balloon on the inside of my mouth. So I basically got it checked out by the doctor who referred me to an oral surgeon. The oral surgeon went in and removed it, and I got three stitches. So at the time of this broadcast... I'm still not eating completely solid foods, but I've got my speech back and am communicating very well without any issues. So for any of you in in my audience, if that's something you get to go through, shoot me an email. Let me know how it went for you. You can always shoot me an email at Derek at DerekIzzy.com. Visit the website, DerekIzzy.com. If that's where you're listening to the show, then you're already familiar with our sponsors. Right now, our two leading sponsors are BetDSI. You can click on the link on my homepage to sign up with BetDSI. Using promo code Derek, you will get matching funds on your initial deposit. BetDSI is a website that takes bets. Just like the name says, you can do sports betting with the uh, election coming up here in the United States. They've taken odds on the presidential election. You can bet on who's going to win and you can win money. You can also lose money, but that's not what I do. You can bet on UFC fights. You can bet on, since the Olympics are occurring right now as this show is being recorded, they have odds on all the different Olympic sports. 
You can place bets on entertainment television. Often they'll have game shows on there, and you can bet on which contestant's going to win. BetDSI.eu will fulfill all your betting needs. For those of you who keep up with the show, I my winnings have gone up and down. I started my account with an initial deposit of $200. I turned that into $700. I withdrew a little bit of it. And right now the account's at $500. So as long as you know what you're doing, you can do well and you can make money at it. But I encourage you to go to my website, DerekIzzy.com, and click on that link. One of the other links you will find there is for a company called Onnit. If you click on the link on my website, take you straight to Onnit, and it will already include your 10% discount that you get just by being a listener of The Derek Izzy Show. If you're listening on iTunes and you don't go to my website, you can use promo code Derek, D-E-R-E-K. You can go to Onnit.com, place an order. Using promo code Derek, you will get 10% off your order. Why do we have these discount codes, and why are we bringing you good deals? Because we care about our listeners here on The Derek Izzy Show. When you use the promo codes, we get a little kickback from the vendors, and you get something in return as well. And keep in mind, I do keep my show honest, so I will never endorse a product or a website that I don't use myself or that I don't actually believe in their products. When it comes to Onnit, I buy their protein bars, Warrior Bars, I'm still experimenting with their MCT oil, I've used their soap, they've got a whole variety of products that I've gone through and I believe in their stuff and that's why I endorse it because I will never endorse a product or a company that I don't actually believe in or use. And now, on to the topic of today's podcast. The man I'm going to speak about today was an important part of our nation's history. With Donald Trump running for president and his unique ability to speak his mind and often say things that are very unpopular or not politically correct, he receives a lot of criticism. You have Hillary Clinton, who criticizes him for the way he talks, and the way she speaks is usually very eloquent and politically correct, purposely making every speech so that it doesn't offend someone or or any group of people that she's trying to pander to. The topic of today's podcast was kind of a combination of both. He spoke his mind, and he was very forthright with the things that he said. However, he was very traditional and believed there was a certain etiquette that should be followed for those in Congress. He was born in Paris Hill, Maine, August 27, 1809. Even though he was the son of a doctor and a farmer, For financial reasons, he received a very limited education. Like most boys his age of that time, he couldn't get a complete education. He had to work on the family farm and help out when family members got sick. When his father died, he was one of the grown men of the house and had to help out manning the property and taking care of the farm. One of the ways he helped support his family was getting a job as a teacher. As the children of the family grew up and were able to keep the family above water financially, he began to study law. One of his mentors, who had a very huge influence on his life, was very anti-slavery. This influence on the topic of today's podcast would go with him throughout his political career. After studying law, he was able to get a job as the town attorney. He got married. 
his first stint in politics came when he was elected to the Maine State House of Representatives in 1835. The topic of our podcast got married, married a woman named Sarah Jane. From all accounts, their marriage was a good marriage. Things were going well for both of them. His career in politics was going well, but unfortunately, in 1855, Sarah died. One of the things that was a little bit more common back in the 1800s was what the topic of today's podcast did to find his next wife. He married his deceased wife's half-sister, Ellen. That was one year after his wife died. He married her half-sister. Now, I know, I know I make a lot of comparisons to how society was back then and how it is now, but just picture that. One of our elected officials in Congress losing their spouse and then marrying their spouse's half-sister. How do you think that would go over in the press? Do you think the media would have a field day with that one? Well, back in the 1800s, that was common practice. It was definitely a different time back then. But some of the things that we take for granted today were taken for granted back in the 1800s, as you're about to find out. Some things like manners. The topic of our podcast was very big on manners and very big on respect for your position in service to the people. He had a long career in government. He served two terms in the State House of Representatives. He was elected as a senator. He was a longtime Democrat, very loyal to his Democratic Party. At the time, it was pretty much the Democrats on one side and the Whig Party on the other side. A lot of you probably don't remember the Whigs, W-H-I-G, but back in the 1800s, they were the second political power of the two-party system. You had the Democrats on one side, the Whigs on the other side. At this time, you had the Democratic Party that was in support of slavery, and then you had the Whig Party, which was kind of split. Half the Whigs were in support of slavery, the other half were not. So they didn't really have a united front for the Whig Party when it came to the controversial issue of slavery. But the topic of our podcast was very opposed to slavery. His opposition was so strong that it caused the topic of our podcast to leave the Democratic Party. Now, why would he just suddenly up and leave over one issue? Well, let me give you some background on the issue. In 1854, the Kansas-Nebraska Act was introduced. At the time, it was an extremely controversial bill. And what it basically did was it took the individual territories that are out in the, at the time, the western part of the country, and it allowed the individual territories to decide whether or not they would allow slavery based on their own individual preferences. In other words, the federal government was not going to mandate what these territories did when it came to the issue of slavery. It was going to be up to them to make their own choice. The fallout from the passage of this bill was huge. The Whig Party being split into two parts, like I said before, the one part supporting slavery, the other part not supporting slavery, and it led to the Whig Party disappearing. Most of the Whigs who supported slavery were from the South. They ended up joining the Democratic Party, and the Whigs in the North who did not support slavery, well, they joined and formed the Republican Party. With this formation of the Republican Party, the first Republican president and someone everybody knows, Abraham Lincoln, 
came to fruition. Now, Abraham Lincoln is not the topic of today's podcast, but he did play a role in the career of the topic of our podcast. Now, back to our senator. I mentioned before that he was very well-mannered and felt that manners and etiquette were a very important part of being a senator. When he served as a senator, he had an excellent attendance record, and he noticed that a lot of the other senators were just very rude and walked the floor of the Senate with their alcohol and conducted daily sessions drunk. He was very outspoken against this, even took measures to ban alcoholic consumption on the congressional floor. At one point, he had noticed that roughly a third of the senators were drunk by the end of a daily session, and that if they had a long executive session behind closed doors, two-thirds of the senators would be drunk. He was so opposed to this inebriation that he observed it in some of his writings. During one of his writings, he recalled a dispute between two senators in which one of the senators actually pulled out a pistol and threatened the other senator right there on the floor of the Senate. The topic of our podcast wrote in disgust about this event and said, Don't you think the American Senate is a dignified body? When Abraham Lincoln ran for president, being the anti-slavery candidate of the Republican Party, he needed a running mate that would balance his ticket. With Abraham Lincoln being from the central part of the United States, in order to get a balanced ticket, he wanted somebody from the East, someone from the New England area, to bring those voters over to the Republican Party. He chose the topic of today's podcast. You notice the title? The Hannibal Lecturer? The topic of today's podcast is Hannibal Hamlin, chosen by President Lincoln to be his vice presidential candidate, When Lincoln won his first term in office, Hannibal Hamlin served as his vice president. Being the consistent person who was outspoken and always willing to share his opinion, Hannibal Hamlin hated being the vice president. Back then, the vice president really wasn't allowed to attend cabinet meetings, and he felt like he wasn't really able to do anything. He had no power. He didn't even get along with Mary Todd Lincoln, the first lady. One of the presidential aides noted, It seems that a sort of etiquette has been established in accordance with which it is not considered good taste for the second officer of the Republican Party to meddle much with public business, and which at all events keeps him away from the executive mansion. Hamlin felt powerless in his vice presidential position. He just wanted to get back to the Senate where he had control and could get things done. He could still speak his mind as vice president, but his words didn't really carry the weight that they did when he was in the Senate. Hamlin later described the vice presidency as being a meaningless office. He said he never really interfered in what was going on with the president. When the president asked him for advice, he always gave his opinions, but felt that that was really just the president being considerate of him, that his opinions really didn't make a difference in anything that happened. He would have enjoyed the job of president, and for a short period of time, he lost his opportunity. When Abraham Lincoln ran for re-election, he decided to select a different candidate, and then Lincoln was assassinated shortly after being elected for his second term. Had Hannibal Hamlin stuck it out and stayed as the vice president, 
for that second term, he would have slidden into that spot as president after Lincoln was assassinated. It was not meant to be for our Hannibal Hamlin. When the Civil War broke out, the country was in shambles. One of the unique events in his career that I think really is what should have him be recognized as one of the heroes in our past was his military service. Back in 1864, he served in the Union Army. He enlisted as a private in the Maine Coast Guard. His unit was called to duty, and he proudly served. He was quoted as saying, I am the Vice President of the United States, but I am also a private citizen, and as an enlisted member of your company, I am bound to do my duty. I aspire only to be a high private in the rear ranks and keep step with the boys in blue. He was promoted to corporal, and he drilled and did regular guard duty with the rest of the enlisted men. Now, as vice president, he was staying in the officers' quarters, but he did everything else side by side with the privates. Can you picture a current vice president going in and serving among the other privates in the military? Like I said before, this was a man of moral character. He believed what he was doing was right and that he was no better than anyone else. The national recognition of Hannibal Hamlin as vice president started with a call that came at the card table. Hamlin loved to play cards. He was seated with several of his colleagues when a call actually came asking him to be the vice presidential candidate to run under Abraham Lincoln. Now you know he accepted this call. He served honorably. He went back to the Senate and served two more terms. But by this time, heart problems had become a health issue for him. His last public service was as ambassador to Spain under President James Garfield. Hannibal Hamlin was the only living former vice president to outlive all of his successors. This vice presidential journey that started at the card table came to an end at the card table. On July 4th, 1891, Hannibal Hamlin collapsed while playing cards and died at the age of 81. While the records of his service are not well known, hopefully this podcast can give you a greater insight into the man that was Hannibal Hamlin. Some things about his life that were noted. Hamlin County, South Dakota is named after him. Also, Hamlin, New York. There are several statues of his likeness around different parts of the country. You can see several in the United States Capitol or in the park by the Norumbega Mall in Bangor, Maine. On the University of Maine campus, there's a Hannibal Hamlin Hall named after him. Hamlin's house in Bangor also housed the presidents of the adjacent Bangor Theological Seminary, and it is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. This quick summary of the life of Hannibal Hamlin, a man who was a hero, moral, honest, and upfront about his opinions. Hopefully you've learned and have a greater understanding of how some politicians can be honorable and live the kind of life they profess for others to live. Remember that 
when you go to the polls for the next election because now you know the rest of the story. Thank you for listening to The Derek Izzy Show. Tune in next month for another journey through history. Good day.